All right. Welcome back to another episode of AB Side with me, Ben. And Anzi. We are on season two. We are continuing on with our new series.、Um, after discussing femininity, bleh, femininity, can't even say it, and masculinity, we are talking about life. Anzi, Anzi. Yeah. How are you doing? Oh,、um, are you okay? I'm excited for this episode because. Yeah, that, that's that's how I'm doing. <laughs> so okay, okay. How are you doing, Ben? Last episode, you said, "Oh, Ben, why didn't you ask how I was doing?" So、oh, just let's、I'd... just get to it, Ben. Right, that's what I was trying to do last week. Okay, so we've got、um, as as per usual for our new series, we've got two guests with us、uh, this week. Woohoo! Got two new guests、um, because we thought, oh. This would be fitting for our new、uh, topic of new life. Looking at the different stages of life, but this week we're talking about new life. So I'm going to introduce to you、um, our lovely doctor friend from church, Adrian. Hey, Adrian. Hello, everyone. Hello, Ansi.、Uh, my name is Adrian, and I am a new father to Samuel, who was born in June, and he's now、uh, four and a half months old now. Oh wow, new baby during lockdown. You have a lockdown yes, baby. Yes, yes, a lockdown、wow. delivery and a lockdown baby. Wow. Wait, you、uh, delivered? She delivered in the hospital, though, right? Oh yeah, yeah, she did deliver <laughs> in the hospital. Not at home. Not at home. That would have been.、Uh, I don't know how to have managed that. But yes, it was a. It was a very. It was a very different experience to what we were expecting. Hmm. Cool. So、um, yeah, we'd love to hear more about that in a sec. But let's introduce our second guest, Jing. Hello, I'm Jing. I am a mother to a 15-month-old boy, Joshua, and I'm also expecting baby number two in February. Wow! You got pregnant during lockdown. I did. Yep,、yeah, it's been a lockdown pregnancy. What? <laughs> This is why, listeners, we figured we needed to invite these two individuals、um, because one was a, became a new dad during lockdown, and one is expecting during lockdown. This is incredible. I'm really excited for this episode.、Um, ben, how are you feeling about this episode? I'm excited. Let's play some jingle music. Okay, Ansi. Yeah. This first question, conception. How was the process for you? What does that mean? <laughs> so before we prepare each episode, we like to have some notes because you know, prepare to fail, fail. Well, yeah, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Got that messed up.、Um, well, I just put a bullet point: conception and pregnancy. Share briefly. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right then. Share whatever you feel like, guys. Do we need to talk about the birds and the bees? I don't think we do.、It's、assumed you guys know. Oh, look at you guys giggling like little、oh, kids. Seriously, blushing, blushing. Please, please mature up. You guys are parents. Come on. So, did you want to know about I don't know, my first pregnancy or my current pregnancy or the differences? What I think new life is such a wonderful topic, but of course. Here's a question that I have, actually, because all three of you guys are parents now. D- does it take long to conceive? 
Gosh, that is exact question from someone who's not a parent. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because some people, there, there's many tries, right? And you have to wait for that that window where you are clearly, you know, ovulating or have ovulated, and there's a there's an egg waiting. Um, but how hard is it to conceive? Uh, I think it's very variable. I mean, for us, mm-hmm. for me and Silk, uh, it took us about uh, close to six months. Okay. Uh, what we do know is that uh, in the first six months, most people conceive in the first six months, although it can take up to two years, and that uh, further investigations uh, can be done after uh, a parent has tried for two years and they haven't been able to conceive. So um, we uh, yeah, we managed to conceived at uh, the six-month mark. I'm not sure whether this is any different for Jing. I think it's, it's very variable, isn't it? I think in total for us, so with Joshua, it's probably about a year. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we've always been quite relaxed about it. Um, I know for some people it can be quite a struggle and if you sort of having a specific plan and timing of exactly when you want to have children it it can be difficult and I really do think that you know sort of worrying about it and being stressed about it can impact uh, on people Um, and for us I think it's always about God's timing as well Um, Mm. so it's not something that we you know, we'd, we've been married for a few years now um, and children wasn't always sort of the first on the agenda for us. So, you know, we prayed about it. We thought about it um, and we eventually felt that, yeah, you know, God wanted us to start a family. Um, there wasn't a specific sort of time frame that we were thinking about, um, but we did, you know, we sort of decided, OK, yeah, now would be you know, a reasonable time. Didn't happen for us straight away. And I think actually when we did get pregnant, we weren't actually expecting it at that point because we weren't sort of, you know, actively being too clinical about it, you know, (laughs) timing everything. I think it was just one of those things that actually, oh, so when it did happen, it was actually a bit of a surprise because, you know, we gave it a good go initially. And then it was like, oh, well, it hasn't happened yet. So might happen, might not. Um, So, yes, I think I think it can take a while, but. I think the important thing is just not to be too sort of focused on it um, because sometimes things don't always happen according mm. to what your plans are. Um, mm. So, and then, and then the second time around, well, that, that just happens. <laughs> you might have noticed the close age gap between the two. So we thought, oh, you know, we, you know, we would like a second one and we'll just let nature take its course. And then second one <laughs> popped along, you know, pretty, pretty quick. So um, yes, that was a very different experience. Um, wow. So, yeah. Ben. Um, yeah, I think for us, it was maybe three or four months, um, for both kids, but it is, yeah, it's, it's different for everyone, isn't it? I feel like that there, there, there is a, a, a pressure there though. Um, you, you feel like you want to, if, if it's not happening straight away, why not? Is there something wrong? You know, there's, there's, there's all that that goes on in your head. Um, so I guess like Jing was saying, if you think about it, too much it can be it can like mess with your head and um that's probably not going to help things i reckon Mm. does it is it quite clinical then like in terms of you know because 
all the parents that I know, you know, they, they have all these apps and, you know, it's like, oh, we need to, we need to meet, you know, do, do the do <laughs> during this window of opportunity. Um, does it get rid of any of the romance then? Yeah. So personally, I'm very much not against that. I, I personally don't think that's the, the best way to do it. Um, because you can't be overly clinical about it. Mm. You know, everyone's different. And then, yeah, and then it very much becomes just a chore that you have to do. And it's like, oh, mm. you have to do it at this time. And, um, yeah, and I think that can impact on relationships mm. and anxiety levels. Um, and some people, yeah, some people like that, you know, some people who have a plan and want to go for it but I think then if you're very clinical about it and it doesn't happen then you have that sort of disappointment and anxiety after each month and that and I think that can really um, take its toll um mm. but as a medic the, the best advice I've always thought is just yeah just do it regularly <laughs> so, <laughs> do it regularly I think when you try and time it too much it yeah it takes the fun out of it adds right. pressure and everyone's body is is, is different um mm. so I don't think that's sort of guaranteed way might work for some people but um, it's not something that I think is the uh, the best or most enjoyable relaxing way to go about it I have a question I have a question mm -hmm. I'm fully aware that we might have some listeners that aren't in the stage of parenting um like that they don't have children or maybe they don't want to have children do you think it is okay to not procreate biblically now Yes. <laughs> is that your short answer, Jake? Is that your short answer, Jake? Why? Yeah. Because that is, you know, if you look at everyone in the world, you know, I don't think it's God's intention for everyone to have to procreate. And some people can't. And it's, yeah, some people try and try and really want to have kids and can't. Um, mm -hmm. So I think in the end, as part of the bigger picture, God has a plan um, for everyone. And I don't think, and it's a huge responsibility. You know, I don't think we just, we shouldn't be having kids because it makes us feel better. Um, it's a, you know, it's a big responsibility to society, to that child. And I think it's an important decision ha to have. And it's not the only way of serving God or fulfilling God's um, purpose. So I think I do sometimes feel it's it's the expected norm. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even within the church, I think there can be a lot of pressure because that's what's expected. Um, and then when you can't have children for whatever reason or, you know, you might feel like a, a failure. And I don't think that should be everyone's priority. Um, for me, I think children should be uh, brought within sort of a stable household as well. I think uh, for me, it's always... I think marriage does come first. Uh, mm. And I think that is the most important. You need to have a good foundation to bring up children. I don't think children should be the main priority above marriage. And then, you know, marriage isn't for everyone either. Um, mm. So I think God has a plan for each individual. And I, I don't think we should unnecessarily pressure people or assume and. I think we just need to be open and, and sensitive to people's needs and because a lot of people do struggle um, with things like that. So, um, 
yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a responsibility for us to procreate. I think it's a responsibility for us to be good parents if we decide that we want to be parents. Um, but no, I, I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think everyone needs to have children. I don't think that's sort of our calling from God, as that's our main purpose in life. But perhaps that can be a struggle for some people, I guess, to, to work through. Um because I think there's such a strong cultural expectation, isn't it? Uh, especially um, in, in Chinese culture. There's such a strong... I mean, when you are unmarried, your Chinese relatives ask you, when are you getting married? And when you get married, they ask you, when are you getting pregnant? When are you having the... Yeah, I, I found that really, really hard, actually, um, to deal with. I really struggle with that because it's just... It's unnecessary pressure. It's just something for people to do and to nag you about, isn't it? And... And I think people just need to be a bit more respectful and thoughtful about the things you say and the, yeah. the pressures that society puts on people. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's really hard and it's almost fortunate. Yes, I, you know, I, I am married. I do have children. So I tick all the boxes. But if I didn't, then I can imagine that life would be actually quite a lot more difficult. Um and frustrating so yeah there's there's a lot of pressure out there and i think i think we do need to talk about it i think we don't mm. we shouldn't just assume um and we need to support people in those in those decisions mm. yeah i think you know i was thinking about that that verse in in genesis um one where god creates um adam and eve and then he says be fruitful and multiply but he also says that to all of the animals that, that he creates and so I don't think it's a like an individual command to uh to every single person, but more of a general sense of like I've created this world for you as a as a race, as a human race. So part of your part of your role as a collective is to is to do this. But that doesn't mean that every single person has to. Mm. Um and I think I think you're right. Like actually, in we talked about this last week in Corinthians, Paul talks about marriage, and he's and he actually is saying to the believers, "Oh, you know, if you guys can avoid your temptations, then it's better to not be distracted by by a spouse <laughs> and by a family, and instead just focus on God." Um, and so there's there's that there's that sense that actually, it it if if our whole if if our entire purpose is only devoted to our children it becomes just like this cycle right uh, right now for some of us maybe the majority of our focus is on our kids but in in 15 16 17 18 years um they might have moved away and at that point then you you're if you're only if you're only living for your children you end up kind of with nothing left right so um i i think we, yeah we need to be aiming above that and not just thinking about um the kids as like a means to an end mm. almost wow and i can imagine it's a it's a terrible burden for the kid as well that their parent lives for them <laughs> and mm. perhaps uh allowing them to be free in the choices they make in their lives not pressurizing them it's a lot of expectations, I think, isn't it? So I think for me, I've both me and Stevie, we also, you know, it was 
long as Joshua grows up to be happy and a, a nice person who loves God and, you know, and spreads the good news and that'll be great. Um, mm. You know, for me personally, I guess very much gets a sort of Chinese tradition. Where he doesn't have to be a high flying academic, you know, get into Oxbridge. It's like, that is just not, important for me at all and I do worry about those pressures that society is going to place on him to achieve all these things and how to shield him from all the other distractions in life and you could just go through life just worrying about the next thing the next thing and and I just yeah I just don't think that's healthy really Mm -hmm. and um it's just, I guess it's something for people to talk about, but it's, I don't think people should focus it on so much um, because mm. there's other, there's other reasons to have children. Because I think, I think fundamentally um, there will be people that don't want to because they've seen so much suffering in the world. Um, there's so many kids that are in the foster system, adoption system mm. and, and um, some people don't want to um, give birth, um, which is which is again quite sad. Um, but I also know that fundamentally we are called to be faithful in whatever circumstances we're in. Um, and and some people choose not to marry. Some people choose not to have children. Some people can't have children, which is what um, Jing mentioned. But um, but through it all, we are called to be faithful and um, to keep following God and um, go make disciples. And it may not be baby disciples, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but some people, yeah, some people, they have that blessing of having children. And and um, again, for the parents to faithfully disciple their children, um, lead them in the way of the Lord. So it's different situations for different people, I think. Definitely. And how we can create the space for them to support them in making those decisions in a faithful way. I think it's so important. Jing, you mentioned that you're, you think your child is the cutest child in the world. Yeah. <laughs> generally, I, to be honest, I'm not a big fan of kids. And I think people always, you know, out of surprise, oh, you decided to have children, but I thought you didn't like kids. I didn't like other people's kids. <laughs> you know, that is, yeah, I, I couldn't be around. Like, I couldn't be a teacher. I couldn't be around kids 24-7. I just don't have the energy or the patience. Mm. And, um, so, yeah, I do think my, my kid is the best kid, and I'm very grateful for that. But, yeah, I, I do love him so much, and I think he's amazing. I'm sure he's not the best kid out there, but um, it's probably because he is my own kid. But yeah, I've, you know, for me, I've never felt I've had to have children to fulfill that need for me to be a parent. Um, and a lot of it is dependent, I guess, you know, your relationship with your spouse as well. So, you know, if my spouse didn't want to have children, I don't think I, you know, I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't. I think it's a sort of a joint decision how you're going to be as a team. Uh, as parents um and yeah some kids are more difficult than others but luckily my kid is okay he's very chilled out like me (laughs) and I I think that's a huge blessing because I I had I have worried about you know being a mum that doesn't might not come naturally to me I don't have the patience I get bored of children you know he might 
turn completely when he's a toddler. But uh, at the moment, he's you know, he's okay. He he can play by himself, and he's not constantly harassing me. Um, so <laughs> he's settled in well at nursery, um, and I think that is a blessing because I do really believe that. God's timing is is perfect and he has a plan and he won't give us any more than what we can handle. Let's move on to the pregnancy part then. When you conceived, did before you tested, before you found out you were pregnant, could you feel anything? Like did your body know? That's that's these are so many I have so many questions. <laughs> But presumably this one's to uh to Jing, right? This is to Jing and also like if if you know your wives knew Ben and Adrian, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder. Surely this is something you would have both discussed as well with your spouse. Um so I don't know, I didn't get any symptoms early on. Um mm. so I took so I'm normally quite regular, so I I took a pregnancy test probably within I guess a week of being late. Actually, no, the first time. I think my first pregnancy test was negative oh i think i can't remember i might have taken it too early i was like a few days late and it was negative i think um and then i took an and obviously then i was my period still didn't come so then i took another one a few days later and then it was positive and then i was like oh, oh i'm not sure it was one of those sheep ones i couldn't really tell you know was like, is that two lines is that one line so, so then i took another one <laughs> so three pregnancy tests later and then it was like oh he's pregnant but um yeah no symptom wise I didn't get anything probably until a month later um and then it was awful yeah so both my pregnancies I I don't think they've been the worst I don't think they've been the best but uh it's yeah first trimester symptoms Mm. awful hated Mm. it and yeah so you do get symptoms but not but again everyone's very very different in terms of what symptoms you get that's the same experience for us as well. Um, I think Suk uh, did a pregnancy test after noticing that she's uh, missed her period. And it was not long after that when the first trimester symptoms started coming in into play, which was, uh, was, which was very difficult as well, actually, because, uh, um, I mean, she really likes her food. And with the nausea, especially the nausea in mm. the first trimester, uh, it was difficult. We were in we were on holiday in uh, Korea at a point of time as well. Oh, wow. So it was, it was a bit of a pity because mm-hmm. uh, I just couldn't get to enjoy the food when we were there. Um, but you enjoyed the food though, right? <laughs> I tried, but uh, it's, it's, not, it's not just eating, it's the smell as well. Oh, right, right, right. It can right, right. trigger off the, uh, the, 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 the sickness. Mm. So you just got to be very careful. And it just takes the joy a little bit out of the holiday. But, um, yeah. Um, the worst thing is is because you, you can't sort of tell anyone at that stage. Mm, so I think the, mm. the first trimester symptoms are probably the worst out of all of them. Mm. And you're just plodding along, you know, you're still working. And no one knows what's the matter. You have to start turning people down. It's like, no, I can't go out. I don't want to do this. No, I'm busy. <laughs> so, um yeah, I think I think that, that that was quite hard. Just you know, you're not feeling your best, but um, I guess it's too early to to tell people about mm. it. So that was hard. Ben. Um, yeah, I think I think I remember Mandy saying that she could feel something different. Um, I mean, we were actively trying, so so we were kind of aware of the the timing anyway. Um, 
I don't want to say hers was easy, uh, but she, yeah, she didn't struggle with, with morning sickness, mm-hmm. um, particularly. So. For either kids. No. Yeah. She was okay. Whoa. Yeah. It's just different for everyone. It isn't is it? different. I think, yeah. I think that's the, there's like, there's, there's a common experience to, to being a parent and, and, and going through pregnancy. And there's also like a very unique experience that's different mm. for, for every couple. Yeah. What was the best thing or the worst thing of pregnancy for Jing? Oh, fatigue. Fatigue? I think I I struggled with both pregnancies, just ongoing fatigue. So the first trimester is the worst, but it's, it carries on. And, you know, I keep reading on all these forums, talking to other mums. Oh yeah, by second trimester, you'll be glowing. You'll be feeling on top of the world. (laughs) Never felt that. It's just constant fatigue. And I feel like, I don't think, yeah, I've not been like fully alert and invigorated, not tired since Joshua. Because like once you you are you've become a parent, that's it, isn't it? And Joshua's is very good, you know, he sleeps, but it's just it, it does grind you down. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm sure most parents would agree that yeah, once you've had your first child, you're just constantly tired until they're probably eighteen and <laughs> that's it. You're yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, tired tiredness is just yeah, constantly feeling tired not being able to eat what you want all the time, bloating. So I, d- I did get a lot of physical symptoms, but I was never mm. ill enough to like, you know, need hospital admission and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's uh, for me, sort of the physical side effects of pregnancy, I've, I've really struggled with. Was there any good thing from it? Any good pregnancy? <laughs> did you, did you not enjoy? Good, good side effect, right? Yeah, I, I think it was... I don't know. I think the physical symptoms did play a big part of it. Um, and I've never been one of those, I guess, not natural mum, but I don't know what the word is for it. You know, when those people just embrace, you know, pregnancy and motherhood is like, no, but I don't feel my best. <laughs> mm. Yes, the end result was great. Um, but I think I, I have found it quite draining, the uh, the process of it um oh my hair got thicker that was quite nice <laughs> my hair started yeah, nice. stopped and then it all fell out after i gave yeah, birth yeah, but um yeah. yeah um my skin was all right <laughs> dermatologist are you <laughs> um but emotionally I, I did find it quite quite draining and, and mm. physically quite draining as well i think for us uh for Sook, uh, the second trimester was the honeymoon period Oh. Uh, I mean, she uh, the the morning sickness uh, kind of went away. She was putting on weight, which we were pleased about because I think uh, in the first trimester, especially, she she was just wasn't gaining any weight, and in fact, was losing weight just because she wasn't eating much at all. Um, the, the second trimester was uh, was really good for her. Um, and then I think when she went in the third trimester some of the physical symptoms start kicking in. It's not just the fatigue itself, but also um, having a bump kind mm-hmm. of restricts your movement. Mm-hmm. It's kind of affected her sleep as well. Yeah. So things been, uh, she stays up quite uh, quite a lot uh, at night, struggling to get to sleep. Uh, we kind of look at the different ways to manage it. So um, massages, uh, Having slipping for pillow in between your legs, you know, the internet is full of resources that give suggestions on how to help. 
And I guess because we are both a little bit old there, I, I think uh, one of the uh, one of the anxieties, I suppose, uh, at the start is about miscarriages as well, which uh, is a very real um, worry, I suppose, for us. Um, but um, we went through it. And then um, lockdown happened. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, Yes, it was. It was. It was a very uncertain period of time in our lives mm. uh, with the pregnancy, just because uh, when lockdown happened in March, April, we were still quite unclear about uh, the impact of COVID on pregnancies. So mm. um, I was still going to work. Um, I had to speak to work to let them know about our situation. And because we don't have any family um, with us in this country, it, uh, it, it means that we've got less resources to fall back on, in a way, when the, if either of us fall ill. So um, I spoke to my work, and they were very kind, and uh, agreed for me to kind of come on the on-call rota for that last phase of the pregnancy. Uh, a similar thing happened to Sook as well. Um, she... She managed to uh, speak to them to highlight concerns and was able to work from home uh, just before her maternity leave started. So it kind of worked all right for us in the end. I guess for us, it was a long time ago. I was just thinking, Manny was pregnant with Isaac like three years ago. Um, the best thing was cravings for McDonald's and saying, hey, can you go and get me some McDonald's? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> it's definitely the best thing for me. Um, I would. I wouldn't want to speak on behalf of Mandy. Though. <laughs> Will you ever be really ready for the whole process for labor, for you know, the whole shebang package? <laughs> I think the short answer is probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anything quite prepares you for that first uh, first labor. Um, I mean, we we went for the antenatal classes. We learned about the different uh, the different techniques that can help with labor. We learned about painkillers, different ways of delivering, uh, and we so we kind of talked about it uh, in preparation for our labor and made plans for it. I said, you know, what are we gonna do if this happens, and what are we gonna do if that happens, and it kind of all went out of the window <laughs> on the actual day itself. Um, yeah. Um, I think the most difficult part of labor, I mean, for, for the men, I think is um, struggling with feeling a bit helpless, actually, in a way. Um, mm. So I remember, I remember going to the hospital. So we're kind of thinking, oh, okay, something is about to happen, but we're not quite sure. So we kind of called the hospital, they've advised for us to go in, which we did. And then uh, I couldn't stay. Uh because uh, she was because of lockdown because mm. of covid yeah. yeah yeah so went back home feeling a bit anxious mm. uh, got a call um when Sook went into labor and going to going to the delivery suit and seeing Sook, i suppose in, in pain it, it was difficult actually um i, I think struggling with a sense of helplessness um yeah so were you allowed to be with her during the active labor or were you separated for the entire time uh i was i was with her for the active labor uh but uh because samuel came so quickly i think the active labor was what two 
two hours, three hours. Okay. Yeah. So by the time I got into hospital, I think I was only there for for forty minutes, and when Samuel popped out. Oh. Um, oh wow. And the thing is, I think. Uh, it, I mean, I mean, a lot of these feelings, I, I I don't actually quite notice them. I didn't have time to process them when I actually went into the delivery suite. It was mm. only in the aftermath when baby Samuel came safely into the world. Mom and baby are fine and healthy and mm. all right. That you've got a little bit more time to process some of the feelings associated with the birth. But yeah, um, kind of just went and held on to Sook. She was in pain. Uh, just encouraged her, speak to her. Mm. I think in those moments, it's just enough. I think, and perhaps Jane can say a little bit more about this to someone there beside you. And I mm. think it's it's a, it's it's a crucial part in that labor process where I think that kind of support can be very helpful. Jane, yeah, I think I guess it's you know it's a new experience that you've never experienced. It's very hard to fully prepare so you can you know to prepare in practical ways and supporting each other emotionally um i think the main thing is is not to be fearful um i think generally fortunately i'm quite quite a laid-back person so i wasn't too anxious i hadn't really thought that much about it um and i think a lot of the anxiety comes from just the fear the fear of Mm. what the pain's going to be like um so I went to all the classes, you know, all the things that could happen and, and, and obviously nothing went to plan. Again, it's one of those, I think, if you have a very sort of thorough plan of what you want and what's going to happen, it might, that might not happen. Um, and that can cause more uh, sort of anxiety. Um, so, yeah, the start of it seemed okay. We had, you know, had my playlist and <laughs> Steve had bought in some fairy lights and we were all prepared. And then, wow. you know, two days later, I was just like, <laughs> um, but uh, I've probably, I think most mums do forget the extent of the pain. Because um, I think, I'll, yeah, I think, I think it was pretty painful, but I managed to get through it. So mine was, yeah, it was, it was quite a long time. So, I was two weeks late, had to be induced in the end, was in labor for a couple of days. And then the most dramatic part of that, which I do remember just getting very, very emotional was when, um, so Joshua went bradycardic, so his heart rate dropped. Mm. So he became sort of distressed. Um, So that was the big, that was exactly like you see on on TV, you know, like alarm bells ringing, 10 people rushed into the room and, I needed an emergency C-section. They're going to put me under general anaesthetic. and But then he recovered. So his heart rate recovered. And then uh, we carried on for a few more hours. So that's what happened quite a few times. In the end, it ended up being a bit traumatic. I ended up having an emergency C-section sort of in the end um, with a few complications after that. Um, but I do remember, because you, you have his heart. I could hear him on the monitor and you just, I just hear his heart rate dropping and oh. dropping. And I remember that was the first time that was, so this is like two days into it. And I just like burst into tears. I was oh. so, I was really, really scared. All of these people like rush into the room. And then that's when it, that was the first time I felt really fearful. Before that, I was sort of, you know, I was dealing with it, had my gas in air and things were okay. But then I was like, oh no, 
like something could go wrong here. What if they don't get him out in time? So that was, that was really scary. And then you sort of wheeled away and you can never really mentally prepare for that. So I sort of wheeled away and Steve was sort of left <laughs> standing there like, Oh, mm. I don't know what happened. So I think that was really scary for him. Like I got sort mm. of wheeled away and, um, but luckily his heart rate picked up and did that a few times again in the end. So I, I still had a C-section, um, in the end, but, um, yeah, so up until that point, I don't think like emotionally I was too frightened um, because I just I'm not one of those people I don't like to think about that sort of the worst case scenario because it I guess it doesn't really do any good, isn't it? Just to mm. be scared, um, and I think a lot of it is I you know I put my trust in the med- medical profession, the people looking after me, so I trusted that they would do what's best. Um, yeah, so have I think like now is this whole pregnancy is very different from the first time around i've had very little midwife contact so luckily mm. i've had the experience of the first pregnancy so i'm a bit more uh relaxed but um i was having sort of regular checkups before and now i've had a few telephone phone calls with the midwife i've had my two scans uh and actually i just got off the phone with the midwife today and discussing plans for the next birth because I've had a previous C-section that puts me at slightly higher risk. So now I've got the option of trying for natural delivery or going for an elective C-section. Um, so I'm still not sort of completely decided because part of me is like, well, if I go for the elective C-section, then at least I know what's going to happen this time. Mm. I'll be a lot more calmer, might be better practically in terms of COVID. So to plan, mm. um, because if I do then, if I choose to go down to sort of natural delivery route, then the same could happen again. I could then, then so much the emergency right, C-section yeah. again and it would just be exactly the same. Mm. Um, so I'm still undecided uh, about that. And it's just something that I have to have a, a think about and knowing my different options. Uh, but being prepared to, I guess, be flexible uh, when the time comes. Um, what do you guys, what through the whole process of, you know, conception, pregnancy, labor, this whole process, what have you, what do you learn about God throughout this season in your life? I, I think one of the things that uh, we've learned as, as a couple, um, I think it's, it's not to take things for granted and mm. to be thankful, I think, for mm. the things that we do have in life. Um, because, uh, you know, nobody really talks about how hard pregnancy can be mm. um, and how to process the emotional challenge, I think, coming up to even, even just conceiving and then going through the labor process. Um, um, we found ourselves um, praying. I think especially in those times of uncertainty of not really knowing what's going to happen and uh, just just coming out of it, you know, appreciating really, I think, Samuel's arrival, Samuel's safe mm. arrival and Samuel's mm. health as well. Yeah. It's very easy to forget it in the rush of parenthood. So I think in, in the aftermath of uh, bringing Samuel back home, um, looking after him, the sleepless nights, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's, it's so easy to get a bit consume with what to do mm. Mm. and i think it's 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 i think it's still important and it's just have a little bit of space sometimes to just think about what's happened and just just really be grateful and thankful i think for for for, for samuel's uh, delivery 
safe delivery into our lives? Um, I guess we can sort of fully rely on God. Um, I think for me, it's always been, um, you know, the decision to sort of have children um, has always been sort of guided by what God's plan is for me. Because um, it's never been, you know, for me, it was never like, oh, that is my you know big purpose in life. I want to have children because I want to have children, like raising a child. Um, that was never really that sort of big an emotion for me. So it was always, you know, what does God want for me? Does God want me to bring a child um, into this world? And if I do, how um, can I bring up this child, you know, to be a follower of God and how to be godly parents? So I've always, that's one of the things that I've probably prayed the most about um because I wasn't sure and in terms of you know yeah is is children for me and mm. what is the purpose for me in having children um and so yes I think that's God has always been very much present in that decision uh, mm. for me in having children uh, and now that Joshua's here I I'm just so thankful and so grateful um, don't be melodramatic because oh children will change your life of course of course it does you know that's mm. that's expected I don't think any of it has brought any surprises that I wasn't expecting um, but I am amazed about how good Joshua is a child obviously, I'm biased obviously I think he's the best baby in the world <laughs> and then um, we always had this, I always had this chat with Steve he was like well you know we think that God will only ever give us as much as we can handle and and both of us we value our sleep <laughs> and we've always that, I guess that's the biggest fear what we're gonna do and all these parents that they just they don't sleep um like you know for the first few weeks you, you're, you're not sleeping for more than two or three hours a night um but luckily Joshua sort of settled very quickly he's really good at sleeping now he sleeps through the night and he's just such a joyful baby and you know yeah, he's just been amazing. And I feel like, you know, we haven't done that much as, as parents. You know, we've just sort of let things go go with the flow. And he's, he's turned out amazing. And now we can look ahead to what he might be when he grows up and, you know, what he's going to achieve. So I think it's, for me, it's just trusting um, in God that this baby was meant to be. Um, and God will guide guide him, uh, guide us as parents, um. I think uh, one of the one of the things that we've come to appreciate. Um, I'm not sure whether appreciate is quite the right word, but um, there's something quite miraculous about a gift of childbirth. Mm. Mm. That there's something it's something grows <laughs> in the body and is brought to life and is brought into the world. And there's something amazing, I think, about a gift of having a child. It is a miracle, isn't it? Yeah. Miracle, just, if you think about yeah. all the things that has to happen for a child coming to the world, it's just, it is amazing how it does happen. Yeah, the whole gestation period is just, yeah. Each stage yeah. is just ornately designed by God. And it's, oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, and to, to be thinking about that, I remember with, with when he was pregnant with with our first child, Sophie. Um, we had this app, and and it would be like, oh, this week your child is the size of a, a watermelon mm. seed or whatever, and you yeah. 
<laughs> different fruit sizes. Yeah, and it's 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 amazing to think of how much needs to how complicated it is, and, and how it all needs to work together um, in order to to produce a life and to for, for for you to end up with a baby at the end of it. Um, so definitely, that was one of the big things for me, like just like not having an understanding of how much is involved in in just just creating this baby um and i think the other big one is kind of echoing what you two said like the idea of control and we think that Mm -hmm. we're in control of our lives we think that we can we can just do what we want and have what we want um and getting pregnant and then and then going through labor is um is that that realization that you know we are not in control and um actually god's gonna bless us or he might bless us um we might not be blessed but this Mm. idea that actually we can't make what we want happen all the time um yeah i think i think that was a big one for me do you think being new parents now for all three of you guys do you think parenting has redefined or changed your identity in life this is a loaded question <laughs> well there's definitely a lot of adaptations we have to make uh uh-huh. like even the responsibility of taking that baby home at, like for the first time and like holding the baby for the first time bathing the baby for the first time all these first time moments and like feeling you know this baby is so fragile like because you know obviously the spine isn't very strong at that point as a newborn and you have to hold it the correct way and like even even for me as an auntie i've i've got 10 nieces and nephews it's so scary holding a newborn baby like that's a day old and i'm just like oh my gosh this is this is too much responsibility i can't hold this say please take it back (laughs) i just think while people have been doing it for you know for ages so it's (laughs) That's true. That's true. Nothing Can't be anything new. new. Nothing new. I'm sure we'll work it out. It is, yeah. But it's new experiences for for you as an individual, right? Yeah, it's like learning any new skill, isn't it? I, I think for for us, we are struck by the fragility and how much Sammy needed us. And I think that that was the first few um, the few weeks of experiencing having him at home. Um, there's nothing he could do for himself. Mm-hmm. If he's hungry, he just feels, uh, I just presume he feels something missing in his body. And I think that's just this to him crying. Um, uh, he can't move anything properly. Uh, he can't hold up his head properly. You have to kind of guide him. And I remember, I remember giving him his first shower as well. I'm just being so frightened that mm. what if I break him? Um, mm. But I, I think gradually you learn to to be confident in them and confident in ourselves and in oneself as a parent that they're actually quite more more resilient than I think we give them credit for. But I I do remember, I think, in the first few few weeks of of Samuel's life. And it's about giving up the things that we have taken for granted in the past as well. So uh, I guess the kind of indulgences we have about eating it whenever we want or <laughs> going to the shower whenever we want yeah. and um, it's, it's, it's really amazing how, um, how, how quickly we realise that that's not quite 
possible in the same way as it was before. Um, and we adapted to it. I mean, the first few weeks was felt like a very, very long time when we're in the middle of it. Um, but we adapted. And I, I think that's when uh, having a support network, I think, is so tremendously important. Knowing that we are not alone, and we have never been alone in this journey. There are mm. friends who have gone through some experiences, family who are able to help. Um, I think one of the things that we have really treasured is uh, people just asking how we are. <laughs> and especially in a time of lockdown, you know, being feeling quite a little bit isolated with this new thing in our life that we didn't know quite what to do with. I think having 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 just people just knock on our door and just say, oh, how, how, how are you guys? We've bought some food. Was 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 really amazing hmm. and really much needed. I think it really helped us so I think uh, something about the the body of Christ, the, you know, the interdependency that we have on each other and how 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 powerful and necessary it is, I think, in our journeys. Yeah, I think looking at this sort of thinking about the relationship between a parent and a newborn, it's just a constant reminder of our relationship with our God, the Father, and actually having a newborn who's so completely dependent on you. Um, I think it, it just reminded me, it's like, oh, you know, that is what we should be like with God. Um, you know, being that situation that we can fully depend on someone else to take care of our every need, Um and it's just amazing, I guess, the, the innocence uh, in children. I see sort of Joshua growing up, he's, you know, he's just so happy with us all the time. And anything you do, he's just so delighted and he's just so loving. And it's completely unconditional when you start off, you know, it's, you are just completely looking after this new person. Um, so I, I just, yeah, that's what just reminded me of that perfect relationship that we could have with with God um, and it's a big responsibility and I think having that framework and actually the Bible I think um, says a lot about relationships about parenting um, and there is that model there you know God the Father um, and us as his children and I think that is a really good thing to follow um, in terms of sort of bringing up and looking after uh, your children and yeah you're not living just for you anymore that's the main thing isn't it it is obviously going to change everything every priority anything that you do each day and as you plan for the next few years is yeah you've got to have your your kids in mind and how that's going to impact them and yeah you can't just do things for yourself anymore um so i think that's a, it's a huge decision so when you when you have children it's like actually yeah you're now living for your for your children wow I have a question. It's something that I thought of actually uh, when I guess just 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 preparing myself mentally for for this podcast. Uh, and the question is uh, carrying on from Jing's comment about how our relationship with our 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 relationship with our children uh, kind of mirrors um, God's relationship with us. And I'm just curious if there are times when. We have been greedy, perhaps, uh, and God might feel frustrated with us. Do you think it happens? 
I'm just thinking about my own experience of mm. when, when, when Joshua gets, uh, gets really upset about some internal yeah. process that we don't really know what is happening. Perhaps it's wean or colic and he, mm. he, he, he cries. Yeah. It just doesn't, it's not just only cries, he screams. Yeah. And, and it can evoke very strong feelings as a new parent when I think faced with it at the same time. Something about feeling insufficient in a way to provide for his needs. I think it's, it's my personal experience of it. And I'm just wondering actually how, how this, how this might parallel our relationship. Am I making sense at all? Sort of. I guess, I guess God knows our needs, isn't it? But we're, yeah, yeah, you know, we yeah. are not exactly like God. So sometimes course, it no, is, no. yeah, we, we can't work out what's wrong with our child. Um, and it can be very frustrating. Um, mm. Have you cried? Have you, have you been so frustrated and upset that you're crying out to God because oh, like the first few months I was just crying every day. It was mm. like, I didn't sleep for about a week. So you don't sleep, mm. you know, you're really sleep deprived. You've got this crying infant who's just crying and crying. And yeah, I, I was physically, emotionally drained. Um, and yeah, you just try and got it get through it but you just gotta remind yourself oh it's a miracle of birth this newborn baby who's so helpless and (laughs) you know dependent on you but we are human and it's 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 really really tough um when you're so tired and you don't know you know what's going on how to make them feel better um but you get through it eventually (laughs) i think i think as well as you get to know your kids you you can't solve all their problems, but you you can tell more what they need or what they want, um, and and that's a different kind of frustration when when you're like, but you're tired. I know you're tired. Why don't you get to sleep? And like screaming, you're just like, you just need to close your eyes, right? Yeah, um, and and so I wonder if that's that's what it's like with God. Like God's like, I know, yes, I know what's yes, wrong with yes, you. Yes. I know why you're crying. Like. Just listen to me, and and we're just like the the child who is just <laughs> inconsolable because we're not listening. Um, that's certainly my experience with a toddler and a five year old. Yeah, but I love what you guys said about actually. Jing mentioned it. It's the unconditional love. So this expression of love demonstrated through you know you loving your child and having that bond. Ben, does it change from one child to two children? Like when you express your love? I mean, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. It's not, it's not like you run out of love um, for your second child. But love is, um, I feel like as a parent, you learn, you learn that, that sacrificial sense of love in a way that maybe wasn't as deep um, or might not have been as deep with your spouse. Um, just because you can, yeah, like, like we said earlier, you can, um, you still have a degree of freedom when you, you're married, but have no kids. Uh, and then when you do have kids, uh, every decision that you make has to be in the context of, of your family. And so it's this process of learning what it means to, 
to be sacrificial and to to put their needs above yours um and i think that's really what what you learn about love as opposed to being like oh i really like hanging out with with these tiny people like <laughs> of course you're gonna you're gonna love them actually my um my wife was saying the other day like why are older kids so annoying and um and i was like you know actually their behavior is no different it's just that they're less cute right like, their eyes are not <laughs> yeah, as, not as being big, babies less, are less cute. chubby yeah. yeah they're doing exactly <laughs> the same eyes, thing. Oh. <laughs> they're still making like silly noises or like running around in circles or whatever like it's just it's just that they're less cute so there is a yeah you love your kids because they're cute but you also love them because um they're they're part of your family but that's that's more than just like affectionate feelings that's also like you know i'm going to to make choices about my job or about where we live or about what i do with my time um mm -hmm. to put them first hopefully anyway but also i was thinking sort of the other way around actually your child loving you so unconditionally because when they're a baby that's all they know you know you are their mm -hmm. world you're mm -hmm. completely they're completely dependent on you and as they get older, they start having opinions of their own. And it's always, yeah, it's like us drifting away from God because we think we know better Free now. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's amazing as, as a baby. It's you are their world. So all they can do mm. is love you no matter what you do because they've got nothing. They've got nothing else. Um, and I just, mm. I find that amazing. I just, you've got to constantly remind yourself, like, you are their, their world. Um but then they will grow up and they will then have opinions of their own. And, you know, yeah, all that sacrifice you made for them, they're, they're completely oblivious to it. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and that's how, yeah, that's how things, things change as they get older. And it's sad. It's not that innocent, unconditional relationship that you have with them anymore. Do you guys want to share anything more about your experience in lockdown of, of parenthood or, or pregnancy? I think for us, uh, because my mom-in-law was supposed to come fly over to help us, um, I, I think if anything, the lockdown has really made me realise how much we need the people around us, mm. uh, how much we actually depend on them <laughs> for, yeah, just getting by day to day. Um, and... It's also be I think it's also partly because Samuel babies grow so quickly. Samuel grows so quickly. Um, and just having uh, having just FaceTime calls, video calls to his grandparents just just doesn't seem to be quite enough. Um, I think we're really kind of missing the kind of family contact over mm. the last few months. And also to help as well, <laughs> but just, 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 just feeling, you know, you know, there's so much that we could have been able, we could have been able to do, bring him for swimming lessons, uh, bring him up socializing with other babies, which he has to a little bit uh, with his uh, antenatal, with Sook's antenatal class to um, new moms, but yeah, it's mm. the, the sense of isolation, I think, mm. is especially acute for us mm. i think because of the lockdown situation how can we better support you guys then adrian and so with a newborn baby like what advice would you give our listeners we, we we've had we've had like what i said earlier in the, in, in the podcast we've had people 
come to visit us. And you know, just just someone knocking on the door <laughs> to ask ask you how you are. You know, even just uh, that that ten fifteen minutes of normality <laughs> of having a, a a conversation with someone mm. about life. I, I think it's just it, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. It it provides a, a little bit of a break from the monotonous rhythm of looking after a newborn with uh, with all its challenges. So I think it just provides some. Some adult contact, which I mm. think is, is extremely valuable. Um, this is not to say that uh, looking after Samuel has been all hard work. It's it's hard work, but you know the times when he does something new, when he flips over, when he says his first words, babbles his first words, mm. when he smiles at you. I think it just in that moment, it just kind of all makes it worth it. Mm. All, all the hard work that you've just. Kind of put into looking after him, just in that moment when he smiles at you, and I said, "Oh, it's it's all over it." Um, and I, I think that suggests something about the experience of of perhaps God's relationship with us in a way that he's effortless, that his that he. He's tirelessly um, working with us, trying to get to know us, trying to trying to help us be better people. And I think I think he, he has a go in sight to see us lift our fullest potential as people. Mm. And I think he sees that it, it is good. And I think it's that hope. I think that that I guess in a way we we experience. I think as being parents to to Samuel as well. There's, there's something precious and awesome about it. I think just holding a baby in your hands, first time they smile at you, and the, perhaps even the first time they they become aware of the world around them, you start looking at the trees and be amazed by it. There's something about those first new experiences. And seeing them going through their first new experiences, which is which is extremely moving, I think for 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 me as a new parent. Thank you for that. And how about for you, Jing? How can we better support the um, pregnant women that are going through pregnancy during lockdown? Yeah, yeah. I think it's really really tough. I think especially for the for the first time. Uh, mm mums um i guess yeah just remembering to sort of check in check in with people um mm-hmm. i guess um and for those i guess who are pregnant or you know who feel lonely with you know with a child at home just not to be afraid to ask um if you need something i think some people sometimes you feel like you don't want to impose and people are afraid of asking but i think that's you know, that's what the church is there for if you need help um, just ask for it. Um, yeah, it is tricky, isn't it? Yeah, um, and I guess just making the adaptations that you need. So, so in terms of things, of preparing, I guess for my second child, um, I think both Steve and I have decided we're going to take shared parenting um, at the same time. So we'll both be home at six months, um, and I think because it is a struggle, I, I'm. Mm. amazed by how dads can go back to work after two weeks of having a newborn I just so luckily with Joshua Steve was on summer holiday uh, so we actually had a couple of months together at home and that really helped just having that mm. support um, 
so just yeah had making adaptations um so hopefully you will both yeah be at home for six months so we can support each other look after each other yeah so just just keeping in touch with people seeing what seeing what people need um life group has really helped though so it's been really nice so we've um to me an agent in the same life group and we've been meeting up weekly um online mm. and we're all at different sort of stages in our life we do different things some of us have kids some of us don't and sharing that experience and praying for each other uh just keeping in touch through whatsapp and things and that's always been something really nice to look forward to um and actually being able to meet up virtually has actually meant that we can actually meet up more frequently have better attendance than face-to-face because mm. half of us have got young kids at home. So we now meet up in the evenings. We don't have to leave our own home and mm. both parents can attend. Um, so that's actually been you know, a blessing that um, we've all actually been able to meet up virtually, whereas we wouldn't have been able to meet up face-to-face altogether mm. that regularly uh, before. Um, so yeah, so I think, yeah, definitely sort of life group and just having people that you know, if you're having a bad day you just send a message and say oh this is <laughs> you pray for this you can pray for that um so yeah just, just having that support network so don't don't struggle don't struggle alone i think and i think it's just there if if you look for it especially if yeah i, I think I, I think it's it's there when you ask when you look for it yeah 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 i think i think it's really we we want as a church don't we to to be able to for nobody to slip through the the cracks Mm -hmm. right we want to be able to um preempt everyone's needs but at the same time we don't know what's going on in people's lives and people's heads um i remember in in the middle of lockdown um some of our friends just invited themselves around to our house mm-hmm. um and it was just really I, and like it was great for us to to spend time with them but i feel like they really needed to um spend time with with somebody as well um and it was really nice that they asked because it's just it's it's hard for for all of us to wait is this me keep track of it <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> thanks ben you're meant to say yes no you you invite yourself around all the time i think <laughs> that's that's fine um yeah i i think it's it's um it's really important that that we are honest with each other mm. um yeah absolutely because it's it's not that people don't want to help you it's maybe that just they they've got their own things on their own mind and yeah. they might not be aware of what you're going through absolutely and and telling people when you're down as well i think there's also that sort of pressure on you know social media and i think everything's got to be good people only report the good stuff you know you see all these videos and photos of these people having a great time and then but i don't think people talk enough about the struggles of mm. parenthood and yeah i think just yeah just talking about the downsides and not being afraid to say yeah it's been really really hard i'm really miserable <laughs> like mm-hmm. i'm miserable most days i'm absolutely exhausted mm-hmm. um and just for people, yeah, just to talk about it because I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. Um, but you just you feel bad for you know bringing other people down with you. But... Yeah, yeah. I've got a question for both Ben and uh, Ansi, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this, this, this. Uh, I, I, I guess, especially as uh, church leaders, 
uh, do you sometimes worry that, and I'm not sure whether this worked before the podcast, but I'm just, I'm just curious really. Um, do you feel sometimes that you might not be doing enough? Is it a common experience of leaders in church? I think, especially in lockdown, that's it's been a really hard one to know because, like, you just don't get those, uh, like, regular chats that you have with people when you can see them on on a Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. You have to actually be intentional about every person you you contact. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there is that, um, and it's. I think for me, it's more about yeah it's important that i know how people are doing but also that we try to encourage our whole community to be looking after each other rather than just being like Mm -hmm. like only only the pastoral team can can help out um and that's really hard to do as well uh in lockdown when we when we can't actually come together um and share in each other's lives as as much um i'm glad you guys mentioned life group though because it's um, that is one way that that you can stay connected, right? Oh, that is definitely. one way that you can actually share your life with with people. Um, so if people, if listeners aren't in a life group, um, let me know, and I'll I'll try and help you find uh, the right group for you. Yeah, it's definitely very difficult during lockdown for everybody, um, parents, uh, expectant parents, or even people that are struggling with infertility or you know, lost, um, mm-hmm. people that are grieving, uh, the, the elderly, the vulnerable, even down to people that live by themselves. So I think it's in one, in one sense, it is, you know, important for the leaders of every church to be aware, but actually I think as Christians, we all have a responsibility to, you know, love our neighbors, um, near or far. And, and I think that, when it boils down to it, it's, it's, it's hard to know. Yeah. Like, like what, what Ben was saying, you know, we're not having those small conversations. In fact, it's hard to pick up on people, even on the screen based on their body language, because there's only Mm. right on the screen. But I think we do have to be intentional with connecting with one another. And I think even, even just, uh, like, Oh, it's 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 been challenging but it's been a good challenge during lockdown to mm-hmm. to make us be like okay we're going to try something different for church we're going to you know do this segment for church or we're going to um you know have this meeting then or even just to connect with you guys through a podcast i think it's 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 a great way to you know have mm-hmm. these conversations but at the same time i know that we're all we're, we all have different battles that we're all facing but i think there is beauty to know that you know god still uses our testimony to help one another um the fact that you know for for adrian and suk you know they're they're new parents and and it's been challenging for them and and but i love seeing you know the things that they post online and i love you know you know being able to drop off food or you know and 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 see them briefly but but i think fundamentally it is we're just we're just waiting for this all to be over, aren't we? <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm really looking forward to this to all be over. But, um, but it will definitely be a very different, different normal. I think when we come back out of lockdown, um, even down to you know the way that kids interact, or even how parents parent their children next, you know, it will be very different um, compared to 
how it used to be, I think. Mm. Yeah. I think sort of going back to the responsibility of the pastoral team, I think it I think everyone in the congregation needs to make an effort mm. as well. Um mm. I think we can't just expect sort of the leadership team to mm. approach us and do everything. I think people do need to think about giving back and it's much easier face to face but you know, when things are online you can just sit and not be very involved and be quite yeah, passive. passive so, yeah. yeah. So I think people also need to think of ways themselves to try and stay connected and to support each other as well. Life is so important. I think this is the whole reason why we wanted to explore this on the show, like life in general, but to Mm -hmm. specifically look at the different life stages. And I think throughout the next couple of episodes, we'll be going through all the life stages, but, but this one in particular with it being new life, I think it's so different during lockdown compared to before lockdown with having new life. I think there's definitely, you know, before lockdown, there's all these support groups and antenatal classes and um, even, even support for like women that have postnatal depression. Mm. Um, But I, I know that, you know, everyone's trying their best to connect online. It is, I'm sure you all feel it screen fatigue right now. Mm. Um, But, Phone calls, phone calls have helped yeah. me a lot <laughs> recently and um, being able to go for walks, long walks and still be on the phone to someone. I think that's been very useful. Um, and, and I'm glad that, you know, for you new parents to be able to still connect with the grandparents, that is still better than nothing. I think mm, definitely. Mm. Definitely. it can't replace the real yeah. person, but no, no. yeah. Just have to be more intentional and purposeful, yeah, I guess. I think so. We do. I we just so. have to. I, I I feel that I mean, personally, uh, perhaps this this is more related to the dynamics in my family, but uh, I feel that uh, uh, the lockdown had meant that we have got more excuses to give them a call. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's in a way. Something seems to have come out of the lockdown that has brought people together. Yeah. Mm, definitely. Thank you so much, guys. Um, I don't want to end it on a negative note, but fundamentally, it is it is all about loving one another, loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And even down to, you know, loving your children, loving your newborn creation um, and supporting one another during this time. And I think this is the nature of life right now. And God is teaching us what it means to show love in the midst of lockdown. I think that that's what I got from this show. Um, hearing your stories. I think it's, it's so good to hear your stories. Thank you so much team. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Yes. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Um, listeners, if you, if you want to send us any feedback, uh, the email address is abside at thebcec.org.uk. Thank you so much for listening and especially thank you to Jing and to Adrian. All the best um, for Jing's pregnancy as well. Um, hope, hope, you know, we can better support you guys as new parents. Um, but yeah, thanks so much. Um, see you next time, guys. See you next time. Bye.